This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 22nd, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Last week, the Cato Institute awarded the Milton Friedman Prize for Advancing Liberty to Jimmy Lai, an entrepreneur and newspaper man in Hong Kong, now imprisoned for his newspaper, Apple Dailies, publishing strong editorial positions against Beijing's wholesale takeover of the island, and of course, Jimmy Lai's leadership and the resistance to that takeover. At the dinner held last week, the Wall Street Journal's William McGurn, friend and godfather to Jimmy Lai, spoke about what Jimmy gave up to stand strong for freedom. McGurn was introduced by Cato President and CEO Peter Gettler. Princeton Professor Emeritus Perry Link, who we have with us tonight, has said Hong Kong is probably the purest example we have of the confrontation between authoritarianism and democracy in today's world. He goes on to say that within that pure example context, Jimmy Lai is arguably the purest, sacrificing material comfort for an ideal, choosing prison over a plush life abroad. No media outlet and perhaps no organization has done more to publicize Hong Kong's confrontation between authoritarianism and liberalism and to support Jimmy Lai and his cause than the Wall Street Journal. Most particularly the editorial page. Since Beijing's assault on Hong Kong's freedom began years ago, the journal has made a point to emphasize the profound human cost of the crackdown and the symbolic importance of what was once one of the freest places on earth. A big reason for this is William McGurn. Bill is a member of the Wall Street Journal's editorial board, a weekly columnist at the paper, and a distinguished journalist whose commitment to liberty is well known. Most importantly, he is a longtime friend of Jimmy Lai. Bill McGurn first met Jimmy Lai while working for the Far Eastern Economic Review in Hong Kong three decades ago. Jimmy and Bill shared similar interests in journalism, as well as the strong convictions, and their friendship gained a deeper meaning in 1997. That was the year Hong Kong was handed over to China, but it was also the year Jimmy Lai converted to Catholicism and chose as his godfather, Bill McGurn. After coming back to the United States, Bill served as President George W. Bush's chief speechwriter following which he returned to the Wall Street Journal. His return to the journal has been to the benefit of both Hong Kong and Jimmy Lai. In an op-ed last November, Bill reminded us that in addition to Jimmy, there are many other prisoners of conscience in Hong Kong, quote, alone and unknown, who are forcing their jailers to own their own lies, unquote. He closed that piece by saying, By insisting on his innocence, Jimmy Lai knows he has surrendered any hope for leniency. But he is showing that a man can live as a free person, even in a Chinese prison, as long as he refuses to lie. Hong Kong's communist-backed authorities have yet to realize that Jimmy's no longer really on trial. They are, unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bill McGurn.
Thanks, Peter. That was very kind of you, um, though you did make it sound like I couldn't keep a job. Um, <laughs> before I go any further, I just want to say this is a great evening, and two of Jimmy's closest associates are here, Mark Simon and Mark Clifford, and want to recognize them. And I also want to point out his son and his new wife um, are here supporting um, their dad. Uh, Jimmy is in prison, but many people around him suffer. And the family has been incredible in their support. His wife is a rock. And there are many families, as I said, that are also suffering, but are unknown, uh, unlike Jimmy. So uh, we're grateful Sebastian and Rhoda here tonight, and Mark and Mark. When I asked Leslie what I should talk about, she was very clear, about three minutes. <laughs> That's actually sound advice. The Ten Commandments fit on two stone tablets. The Gettysburg Address was 272 words. I cannot hope to match either in eloquence, but you'll be relieved to know I aim to equal both in brevity. <laughs> First, I'd like to thank the Merry Band of Cato for this evening. At its most basic, this night is a celebration of liberty at a time when really needs celebrating. For me, that's very personal. My Wall Street Journal colleague, Evan Gershkovich, is in prison in Vladimir Putin's Russia for doing his job. Jimmy is in prison in what was once the freest Chinese society in history. Before we go any further, I'd like to ask you to join me in showing our appreciation for this magnificent evening, and I ask you to make it loud enough for Evan and Jimmy to hear in Moscow and Hong Kong. I think that got through. <laughs> Jimmy's trial on these trumped up national security charges is supposed to be beginning in September. If convicted, he could die in prison. I cannot say if word has reached him about this award. I can say he would be thrilled. Tonight, I will try to explain why in three broad points. Again, my first point is personal. I did two stints in Hong Kong for Dow Jones. My second was in the 1990s as editorial page editor for the Far Eastern Economic Review, something like The Economist for Asia. One day I noticed a new clothing chain that looked like a Hong Kong version of The Gap. 
well-lit stores, well-stocked shelves, brightly colored polo shirts. It was called Giordano's. We wouldn't notice it here, but in Hong Kong then, there were basically two kinds of markets. One was for international luxury brands like Dior or Armani. For everyone else, it was largely hit or miss. Sophia, my magazine, did a cover story on the entrepreneur who was one of the first to appeal to a Hong Kong middle class that was looking for quality and consistency and value. That entrepreneur was Jimmy Lai. After the article ran, Jimmy invited our editor, Gordon Krovitz, to lunch. When Gordon got back, he sent me a note in his very spidery handwriting. It said, Jimmy claims to be the only man in Hong Kong to have read all of Angles. I thought, well, that's an achievement. Um, but like the guy who carves the Iliad in Chinese onto a piece of ivory, you kind of wonder what the point is. It turned out that Gordon had actually written Hayek, not Angles. This is the first audience I don't have to explain the difference to. And that was my entree into the world of Jimmy Lai. Eventually, we grew close as brothers. As Peter said, I was godfather when he became a Catholic a week after the 1997 handover. His wife, Teresa, is godmother to one of my daughters and my wife, Julie, to one of his. So again, this is personal, very personal. In October, my wife and daughter, Grace, were stopped and detained a few hours at Hong Kong's airport when they tried to visit what had been her former home. It was but a small example of the harassment that has now become routine in Chinese-ruled Hong Kong. I think it's also personal for Cato. When Cato first set up the Milton Friedman Prize more than 20 years ago, Jimmy was on the International Selection Committee. Now that he's in prison for promoting these same values, Cato has not forgotten him. So again, let's express our gratitude to Cato for standing with Jimmy Lai when he most needed and the shared principles that once gave life to the remarkable city of Hong Kong. I'm proud to say my newspaper, The Wall Street Journal, has been a stalwart defender of Jimmy. So my friends, thank goodness for freedom, thank goodness for this night, and thank goodness for The Wall Street Journal and the Cato Institute. My second point is what Jimmy's case says about today's China. In China under Xi Jinping, we've resurgence of old-style communist suppression. We also have a resurgence of apologists. Many who have eaten at Jimmy's table and have benefited from his generosity now pretend they don't know him. 
In awarding the Friedman Prize, we celebrate the economic freedom these two men championed their whole lives. Unfortunately, sometimes people take a solely materialistic view of this freedom. Both Jimmy and Milton had high hopes for China when it first began to open its markets to the world. Maybe they were too optimistic. But let us acknowledge that the turn to global markets has brought enormous benefits to the Chinese people in terms of opportunity, life expectancy, contact with the outside world, and so on. That should not be missed. The willingness of so many American corporations to kowtow to Beijing seems to be confirming Marx's quip that when the last of the bourgeoisie is hanged, a capitalist will sum the rope. But one reason China gets away with this is just the sheer size of, of China and its market. Any normal-sized nation, even a relatively large one like Vietnam or Japan, simply lacks leverage over global investors and foreign governments to get away with what China gets away with routinely. Let me say, too, the story is still not over. In the midst of this, Hong Kong still makes Milton Friedman's point that British never delivered political freedom to Hong Kong. But the tremendous economic freedom Hong Kong enjoyed created a life ordinary Chinese people never knew before. And it's no coincidence now that China's crackdown on Hong Kong um, abuses many of these economic freedoms. That includes the government theft of Jimmy's newspaper from him because of gay people an alternative to the official point of view. Remember, it's not the free market that makes China a menace in today's world. It's a deliberate undermining of the rule of law that free markets can't create themselves, but ultimately depend on, and there will be a reckoning. My final point about Jimmy is that he had a close relationship with Milton that stemmed from shared principles about man and freedom. It was a match made in heaven. Before he ever met Jimmy, Milton had been traveling to Hong Kong for decades. It was immensely useful for him, and Hong Kong routinely featured as Exhibit A in his case for free markets. It also featured prominently in his popular TV series, Free to Choose. Jimmy accompanied uh, Milton on one of his trips into China, I believe in 1993. Jimmy told me they were in Chongqing, a city built on a cliff. One member of their group, an older man, looked up at the steep hill he got to climb from the river where they got off the boat and said, I can't do it. So Jimmy took out 30 renminbi from his pocket and paid one of the Chinese who could be hired to carry luggage and packages up the incline. At the time, that was a lot of money for a Chinese worker. Jimmy asked him to carry his friend up, which the guy did on his back. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it wouldn't be the first time Jimmy found a market solution to solve a problem in China. Milton had also discovered John Capperthwaite before he met Jimmy. Capperthwaite was financial secretary in Hong Kong in the 1950s and 1960s. When I had lunch with Capperthwaite in the 1990s, he described how Milton was rubbing his hands in glee while talking to him. I won't get into all the details of the Capperthwaite years, but he's a one-man Cato before there was a Cato. At a time when Japan and South Korea and Taiwan were opting for forms of state capitalism, Capperthwaite was so free market, he wouldn't allow the Hong Kong government to keep GDP statistics. At the lunch I had with Copperthwaite, I asked him why. Because they could only abuse him, he told me. Jimmy admired Capperthwaite so much, he had a bunch of bronze busts commissioned. I brought mine to the Bush White House, and I have a confession to make tonight. I turned Copperthwaite's face to the wall every time I had to write a speech defending ethanol subsidies. <laughs> Let me end by saying that tonight we will all be returning to our own beds, but Jimmy Lai will sleep behind bars. Despite all this, he is a man who is at peace with himself because he knows that being in prison means he has not betrayed his principles. Because of that, he has been honored with a number of awards. I'm sure there are more to come. He has even been twice nominated for this year's Nobel Prize. That itself is a tremendous honor. But if I know Jimmy, he'd be more delighted by the award tonight bearing the name of his late great friend, Milton Friedman. So my friends, God bless Jimmy Lai and all those unjustly in prison because of their work for freedom. I hope, Peter, you'll invite me back on that glorious day Jimmy comes to Cato and tells you himself how much this award means to him. Thank you very much. William McGurn is a member of the editorial board at the Wall Street Journal. He spoke last week at the Cato Institute's biennial Milton Friedman Prize for Advancing Liberty, awarded to Jimmy Lai. You can learn more about the prize and Jimmy Lai's struggle at our website, cato.org.